0: The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's been a long day. Grab a cold drink and step into the man cave. Your hosts, Ray Austin and J.D. Harris are getting the discussion together, so it's sure to be an exciting hour of fun and talk. We want to hear from you too, so get ready to speak your mind. We don't judge here. Now your hosts of The Man Cave, J.D. Harris and Ray Austin.
1: Hey, well, we're back. It's been a little bit. There's a lot going on in the sports world uh, this year. Unfortunately, or this week, uh, just watching a game that Uh, subject that everyone's discussing is Odell Beckham. I cannot believe um, just all the drama that comes with it. Um, But before we get started with the show, one of the things I do want to do is give happy holiday wishes to um, everyone out there that's been tuning in to the show. Maurice, Ray at the beginning, and uh, John Chambers, who does a lot of our social media stuff. Um, you'll find us with The Renegades on Instagram, High Intensity Sports, and then myself. Uh, John does a lot of that stuff behind the scenes for us, and then Nick at the station. But anyway, we're going back to dealing with what's going on in this, uh, with the NFL, and obviously the topic of discussion is Odell Beckham, and those of you if you're not aware, which at this point you should be aware, is the fight between him and Josh Norman. I um, come with it with a different perspective. Um, I've heard a lot of the analysts discuss it, and some people are like, well, he deserves to get suspended In into different items. I'm just going to keep it real. I understand why the NFL has suspended him, I'm not sure if I totally agree. And the reason why I have some trepidation about how I feel about the decision is I understand the NFL saving face with safety and things of that nature. But, 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 the issue to me is um, the fact that they didn't suspend him or they didn't eject him during the game – I feel like the officials lost control of that game. And yes, it was dangerous to him leading with his helmet, but that happens more than not. Was his intent to hurt him? I don't think so. I think it was to knock him down. I thought it was like a fistfight, but he doesn't come across a person to me that's malicious. Um, but again, saving face. And to me, honestly, if you're going to go that route and suspend him, why don't you uh, suspend Josh Norman? Because here's the thing. I, I've been a person that actually has been slammed. And that was the initial one of the initial things that took place on the field of play. And I broke my collarbone that way. So could the same be said that Josh Norman's intent was to physically harm Odell? I guess if you're going to say with the lead of the helmet then you have to take that into consideration because both you could get broken bones and or concussions. So anyway, uh, I guess the backdrop of the whole situation is that, you know, behind the scenes they were basically because I don't know if you guys follow boss up the different things, but basically it's been going around the league. Uh, some suspect moments with Odell Beckham. Uh, they had some photos with him in a bathroom with another guy and both of them had their shirts off, taking selfies. Um, it was also one where he kind of smacked someone's butt, did a double take, things like that. I mean, and so the whole thing with the bat mm, I think that was Odell strut reaching with that. But I can see if someone was calling out my manhood, I'd be a little pissed off too. But at the same time, if you react to it, you'll always have to react to it. Um, and so that becomes one of the issues Uh, so I think in this whole thing first and foremost, if you're going to suspend someone, suspend the officiating crew uh, because I promise you, if Ed Hockley was involved in this, he would have taken control, they both would have been ejected if there was a second time Um, so I think if you're going to suspend, which I don't really think at this point it should be a suspension, but you're going to suspend officiating crew. You're also going to suspend both players, um, because it took two to tangle and to say one incident was more egregious than the other. It's not necessarily fair either. So that's one of my issues that I had, uh, was going on. Um, And then you had another thing happen Sunday night with a player clearing a pile. I think that just a level of officiating this year has been a major drop-off for NFL and everyone suffering uh, as a result. Um, But obviously, because they're in communication during the games, that's where the league office should take some of the onus and say, hey, we're seeing what's going on during the game. We have league officials there. This game is televised. We're witnessing it. This is one of the bigger highlight, more key matchups that we have for the week. And to be honest, the NFL did a good job of help promoting and pumping up the uh, matchup between the two. Then why didn't they take charge at the game when they're in communications? Why didn't they tell the officials, hey, if it continues, everybody's (laughs) suspended? or everybody's ejected, and I just feel like there's a lot of responsibility to go around and to just say, okay, Odell, you're gone, Um, when we could have taken control of the situation and either both of you have been gone or neither one of you. So that's one of the things. The other drama this week is with Peyton Manning, and for those of you that have followed Peyton Manning's career and had the opportunity Uh, to do a training camp uh, with the Colts when he was there. Do I feel like he said to John Elway, if I'm the backup, you know, basically I'm not playing. I find that hard to believe. Now, would he have thought that? Probably. You know, he's looking at this kid similar to how Brett Favre uh, looked at um, Aaron Rodgers when he was coming in. I was like, okay, if this kid is... I'm not going to spend time putting into this kid, Um, but at the same time, I'm not going to be a classless person with it. So, uh, Peyton went and addressed it. Bottom line, he was like, hey, I didn't say this stuff. It's BS. John Elway said the same thing. And I think, had that been done, of course, Peyton's legacy, uh, or not his legacy would be tarnished, but the attitude. And I mean, I know he knows he's the dude in the league, but I know I just wouldn't put something like that on him. And so with John Elway, John Elway at the end of the day, he's a man and he's an alpha male and the ultimate competitor. Uh, So I know he let down law, but all that being said, if it gets down to it, Peyton Manning is starting, (laughs) even if he can't throw, which at this point in his career is going downhill, but he puts the team in a better situation to line up. Although I like Brock, I think Brock will add uh, be a big good play uh, piece to the future of the Broncos, meaning next year, where he's taking the off season and they're using it to prepare him um, because what's out there. So th- it should be interesting to see what happens in Denver this uh, next week. But it. Uh, it's going to be interesting. So the other thing is going into this off season is uh, to me, I think is the last hurrah. Well, we all know is the last hurrah to a lot of great players. Like, uh, a possibility, Steve Smith senior is done after this season. Also, you have, you know, what looks to be Peyton Manning being done after this season. Um, I wonder if like if Phillip Rivers continues to play, especially uh once we know whether or not, you know, San Diego moves to LA. Um, and then you have Charles Woodson. So with these, you know, most of these guys are first round, first ballot Hall of Famers. So it's gonna be interesting the movement, especially in positions like quarterback, that's gonna happen in the league, does um RG three. Does someone take a chance on him uh, to develop him? Because or like, does a a guy like a Nick Foles get another chance? Mark Sanchez or you know, uh, or do those guys stay? It's going to be interesting. There's a lot of things that just with replacing these great players. You know, Oakland are, who, you know, who do they go after? Do they go after Cam Chancellor, who's you know not necessarily happy? with the situation, situation in Seattle, um, it's going to be very, very interesting. Now, uh, changing subject a little bit, we had a Facebook debate. I don't know how many of you guys get all the Monday morning quarterback and all the former players. We kind of sit back and uh, go at it with each other, but the big debate, who was a better football player or better athlete on the football field, Bo Jackson or Deion Sanders? That one, it got a little, it extended a little bit, got a little heated between some. And for me, I look at that, and it, I guess to respond to Michael Irving's statement, the best athlete to hit the football field. It's, uh, those of you that follow NFL, things like that, there's a lot of great athletes. Um, but, I mean, you have to include Herschel Walker. I mean, he was a Olympian. Uh, Jim Brown, it goes on. But we're going to talk a little bit more about this after break. We'll be back.
0: Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. Back goes O'Neal. He's got it With 2.8 seconds. Left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out
1: of here. From high school to the pros,
0: we, <laughs> we, cover everything. we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're inside the man cave. We're ready to talk with you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to jd harris at high dash Now let's get back to the show.
1: So before the show I was discussing whether or not who was a better athlete, and that's uh, between Bo Jackson and Deion Sanders. Uh, you have also to include the likes of Herschel Walker, um, who was track, fill, bobsledding, football you also had Jim Brown, Mr. Basketball, lacrosse, things like that. Some people seem to forget Otto Graham, who also played in the ABA and the NFL with nine championships. Um, And the list goes on. But with Michael Irvin with that statement, my argument with this is the fact I would have to say Deion Sanders, what he brought to the field, Bo didn't. And you know, do you measure athletic ability with just size and speed and power? Or do you consider size, speed, agility, reaction? And people say, well, Dion wasn't strong. Dion was very strong. Talk to some of the former receivers that lined up against him where he jammed them in man coverage and locked him down. And typically on a football team, your DB is in most cases, your best athlete, your corner. And when you have one of the best cover corners to ever exist in the game, I would have to say Deion um, being a better athlete. Could Dion line up and play running back? Probably could. I mean, obviously he's going to avoid getting hit. Um, but Dion's a guy that, to me, he can play multiple positions on the field. Bowe could probably very well have played linebacker, but he didn't. Yes, we give both I have to give Bow the credit. He was MVP, or he w- was the MVP of two All Star games in both leagues, and only got to perform in two. Where Dion also was the only athlete to perform in a World Series and a Super Bowl. Um, so this debate went on, and we just I, finally, I was just like, okay, you have to look at defending a third of the field. As long as he's dead as he did you you also have a player that can score from being a receiver score from punt return kick return and being a defensive back he was always a threat so that was kind of how I ended the argument and some of you guys will probably uh, agree to disagree, but anyway, a little side getting off track but you look at going back to the NFL you look at what's going on and, and Looking at today's athlete and the MVP race, you gotta look at Cam. I'm not gonna lie, early on in the season, I would have to say Tom Brady. I was always concerned about scheme with Cam and also the lack of weapons. Well, heck, everybody knows what Carolina's gonna do, who they're gonna throw to. He's made <laughs> he's thrown balls that Ted Ginn actually catches. Uh which is, you know, when you're rolling with Ted Ginn and Greg Olson, which Greg Olson has always been a very good tight end. But outside of that, I mean, let's face it, Carolina has had a tough, tough line, uh, you know, in terms of health with their team and I think depth at certain positions. And Cam has literally, literally, I watched him last week, Just really put the team on his shoulders, and I can't say I've been a Cam fan, but he's won me over from the beginning. I, you know, I questioned his leadership, things like that, but the man is playing—he's playing grown man football. Um, He's broken records that have never, or created records and broken records that no one else has ever done in the NFL. His team is fourteen and zero. And I hear like skip the likes of Skip Baileys and people like that saying, well, QBR and things like that. Well, he's not too far off from Brady in terms of touchdowns thrown and things like that. So when you look at the MVP race, uh, I think Cam wins it hands down, hands down. I mean, I'm sure some of you all will disagree uh, with that defensive player of the year. That becomes a whole nother subject, but I would have to say, normally going into the season, the past few years, I've always kind of been siding with J.J. Watt. But my guy, Khalil Mack, he is about the business. He's just wrecking shop. Very hard to defend. And he's a guy that can play all three linebacker positions. And the Raiders you could just see they've all kind of just surrounded by him and just knowing that, hey, they have a leader. And to me, when you look at that defensive player of the year, MVP, you remove those key players like a Cam or a Khalil, and what happens to their team? Is their team even in a hunt anymore or not? And that's kind of the basis. I look at the stats. I look at what they mean to their team, and how well their team is doing. And when you put in those factors, to me, those are my two players for MVP this year. And it's, it's going to be interesting. As we're getting into, you know, getting ready for this playoff run, the Arizona Cardinals. And to go back to that, Carson Palmer could have been put in that race. But I look at Carson Palmer, and yes, with those same factors, he has the stats. He has, uh, if he's gone from the Cardinals, they're probably not as good. But Drew Henson last year uh, stepped it up until he got hurt. And Carson has the weapons around him. But with that being said, I still, before the season, I picked Arizona to take it all the way. Um, I felt like they were deep at a lot of positions. I think this year they're, you know, they're better at they're better at quarterback in terms of their depth because they're both quarterbacks are healthy and you know I think a guy that they had to bring back in like a Pat White things like that they have Mark, Matt Barkley I think they're better than the options that they had at that position running backs they're definitely better you know David Johnson uh you have Chris Johnson and just they they're deep there Tight ends, they went ahead and got Grisham, and you know, just when they line up, you can't say I'm going to take away this. Uh, just like this one person, if you're going to take away Larry, then you're going to have to worry about uh, Jeron Brown and Jared Brown, uh, John Brown, and Michael Floyd. Or you could you saw like you know inside the red zone, you had the big targets with the tight ends. That becomes an issue. Uh, their old line, which some people, you know, I mean, you lose your free agent, your top free agent, and they don't lose a step. Um, defensively, uh, up front, their their front seven is pretty solid. I wouldn't say they're, I'm, I would rank them probably in the top five in terms of depth uh, on, on the, with their front seven. And up until Honey Badger got hurt to Matthews, I would have to say that, or Arizona probably was second number two or three in terms of defensive backfields. I mean, you still always have to keep Seattle in the race. Uh, what they have, I think Cam Chancellor is just a freak of a football player. Earl Thomas has been a little quiet this year, and then Sherman. But Arizona, solid on a D. Um, the AFC-wise, so I, I think that going in the special teams, Arizona, I still think that if they match up with Carolina, that they can take away Carolina uh, for the simple fact that they can cover and they can stop the run, and they have the athletes that are good enough to spy on Cam and things like that and make Carolina one-dimensional. The next, uh, so I would have to say on the flip side of it, on the AFC side besides having an out of the NFC you have Carolina Arizona which Arizona wins that thought Green Bay would be in there um but they disappointed But on the AFC side New England every time you think that their tire gets flat all of a sudden that thing just blows up and they have a spare and sometimes that spare starts performing better than the other t- <laughs> the previous tire or they just bring on, they just shape and form into something else. I mean, they they weather the storm, um, and so I don't see. I mean, you look at it. Is there anyone in AFC, AFC South? No. Uh, I think the Jets play them tough, um, but I don't think the Jets are there yet and it's either this year or next year for the Jets in terms of what you have with Revis and Camardi. Um, But I believe between Pittsburgh and the Jets, those are the two teams that I think line up well uh, to challenge to challenge New England. Uh, Pittsburgh, man, when they're on the roll, they're on the roll. And you're seeing Antonio Bryant, there's not – a man in the lead that can cover him right now. I mean, and he's a guy, to me, you could use him at that at that Z, or you can put him in a slot, and wherever you put him, he creates matchups. And the fact that he's going up and grabbing a ball, or you're, you know, uh, whatchamacallit, getting, just going downfield with him, very hard man to defend. So I would have to say, if I'm going to put my money uh, – between the Jets and say, let's say, the Jets and Pittsburgh to challenge New England, I would have to put my money with uh, the Steelers, or I, I don't know if I said the same thing, but the Steelers to go ahead. And I think the Steelers, if any guy, any team will beat them or uh, can beat them in the AFC, will be the Steelers. But that's the, I think at that point in time, Tom Brady. They just and Bill Belichick they find another way to get it going. So, you know, a lot's going to be told in the next week or two uh, as the playoffs kind of formulate themselves a little bit more. And we're going to see if my predictions go well. We're going to take off out of here. Uh, you all have a Merry Christmas. Thank you for joining us. And we will talk to you next time.
0: Alright, we're just about out of here, but make sure you come on back next Wednesday at 6 p.m. East, 3 p.m. West for another edition of The Man Cave with J.D. Harris and Ray Austin on the Voice America Sports Channel. See you soon.